Well, welcome, Pathway family. I am so glad that you're here for the second week of our series, Becoming Who You Are, because all month long we're talking about this identity that we have in Christ, and this is such an important topic, and I hope you're really kind of beginning to understand and grasp how powerful your identity really is, because it dramatically impacts how that we live our lives. You know, it reminds me of being in a short-term business group for men that I started recently. And, and this group is, is super cool. It's awesome. It's made up of business owners and kind of high-level executives here in our church family. And we meet about every other week at this very nice office conference room. And it's got a big table in it and big chairs. And, and the first week when we met, I literally felt like I was kind of in the movie Top Gun or something. I mean, all these guys, kind of heavy hitters, Top Guns in all their respective areas uh, of business. And they've all been tremendously successful. They've all made lots of money, and they've got all kinds of accolades from their peers. But what was interesting, at our very first meeting, one of the words that every person used to describe themselves, including myself, was discontent. You see, in spite of all the incredible performances in their vocations and all the accolades that they had received from others, every person still felt discontent. There was a discontentment of soul. And the reality is we all have a thirst inside of our souls that can't be quenched by any kind of earthly performance, success, or affirmation. And that was uh, evidencing in those comments of discontentedness that, that vulnerability that we all have of basing our identity in what we do. Now, there's a formula that the world has taught us that I think makes us very vulnerable to basing our identity in what we do. And, and that formula is my identity, my identity equals my performance plus what other people think of me. And obviously, we all fall prey to this formula, I would say, in varying degrees but I think it's a universal struggle. You know, even this last week, I was at a small staff meeting where we were talking about identity. And so we did this exercise where we all went around the world, the, the, the room, and we shared one negative word or phrase that we felt described us. And it was super surprising some of the words that came out. There were words like incompetent, unlikable not smart. And do you know what my phrase was? My phrase was not good enough. Because I always feel like my performance is coming up short. So, so in my job, in my preaching, in my parenting, and basically everything I do in my life, I feel like I'm just not quite good enough. And this equation is so tempting to fall into because it reflects the world that we live in. Because if you're good enough, that's when you can feel good about yourself. That's when you're awesome. You know, if you sell more houses, if you make more money, if you're better looking, or if you're a better athlete, then you can feel good about yourself. But the downside is, though, we can experience, we can only experience then value in ourselves when things are going well and when we're succeeding and people like us. And we experience a lack of value or a sense of failure when we don't feel like we're measuring up or we perceive that things aren't going well. So as a result, most of the time we go through our days finding ourselves okay, you know, if we feel like we're doing good in life, and, 
and finding ourselves not okay if we're not doing well in life. But I want to ask you, what if something else was possible? What if it was possible to actually live a life where you operate not on a, a roller coaster of emotions all the time, of how well you perform and whether everybody likes you or not, but instead, where you're able to live a life out of an identity that was secure, where you had peace regardless of your performance or what other people thought about you? Well, that, my friends, is what I want to talk about today. So I want to invite you uh, to open up your Bibles with me, or you can uh, turn in your Pathway app. Um, to the book of Ephesians that we've kind of been diving into all throughout this series. And the key truth that we've been exploring that Pastor Elliot talked about last week is that we are in Christ. And this phrase, in Christ, is actually repeated 140 times in the New Testament because God wanted to make sure you and I got that bore down into our souls because there's all kinds of things that are trying to pull it out of our souls all the time. He wants to make sure really that it would stick. That indeed the truest thing about you and I is not our performance, it's not what other people think about us, but rather who that we are in Christ. So look with me, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. It says there, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, as we look at this passage the first thing that Paul, I think, tells us is that Jesus did it all. He did all the work to bring us from death to life. We were once dead and now we're alive. And, and he makes it clear because we have this tendency in ourselves to kind of claim credit, kind of to identify ourselves by what we've done, by the things that we've accomplished. But there's nothing, nothing we could have done for ourselves to bring ourselves from death to life. So first of all, your identity is not what you do. It's not your performance. You can't do it. Your performance will never be enough. But there's tendency, isn't it, like we've been talking about, for us to build our identity around what we've done or what we do. We do that sometimes by what? Our vocations. Uh, sometimes we do that by our accomplishments. Other times we even do it as kind of Christ followers, we kind of tend to do it even with our religious resumes. And this is especially true, I think, to this group of people that Paul was writing to, uh, the, the Jews in particular, that they're in Ephesus, because they had been told that their identity, that their value as a person before God was based on their good deeds, on their works, on their kind of good law keeping. And so they had a kind of a religious resume that they would kind of, you know, make themselves known by. You know, and they'd use that as our identity. And what Paul is saying here is religious resumes. Anytime we're trying to take our good works and our church going and those kind of things and try to make put those on as a badge of our good deeds, Paul's saying, don't do that. That's no longer the way that you're to identify ourselves. He says in verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. 
And this is such an important truth, I think, for us to, like I said, get down in our souls. For us to be able to understand that our identity isn't achieved. It's not something that we can get, but rather it's received. What identifies you as a Christ follower isn't your effort. It isn't your good deeds. It's not your works. It's not what you do. And I know for some of you, like I said, if you really broke that down, it's not what you want to hear. It's kind of frustrating because some of you are like, you know, I've worked really hard <laughs> to build my resume of how people see me. I've worked hard on my accomplishments to kind of set myself above everybody else, to, to set myself apart. And for many of us, we're taught to do that at a very young age, that our identity, our value as a person has to do with kind of how many points that we score. And so we're all kind of looking around each other, kind of how many points, you know, and they look like they got a few more points than I do, and I'm trying to get my points up. So it's how many points that I can score in the game of life. I mean, how many trophies we've won, the grades we made, the job we got, the motions we received, the portfolio we built, the marriage we got, and the kids, the kids we've raised. Those are the things that somehow we think identify us, things that give us worth. Things that somehow give us value. We think those are the truest things about us. But Paul tries to help correct us and say, our identity is not that. It's not in what we do. Not in what we do. So he goes on in verse 13 and says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So your identity is not what you do but what Jesus has done for you. He brought you near by the shedding of his blood on the cross. So Paul's saying, look, it's not what you've done, whether it's been good or bad, whether it's your failure or your success. It's not about that. It's about what Jesus has done for you. He's brought you near. He's given you value by the shedding of his blood on the cross. And, and actually, the prophet Isaiah, he breaks this down a little bit further, and I like the way that Isaiah talks about it. He says, he was pierced, for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. You see, actually, our lack of performance, our sin, what? It deserves punishment. That's why we try to beat ourselves up all the time for our failures and for those areas of our life where we come up short. But, but Jesus was crushed. He was pierced. He he, his blood was shed to pay the punishment for our lack of performance. So now, every time you want to beat yourself up and feel awful because of your failure or because of some lack of performance that you've had in your life and you don't feel like that you're measuring up, remember, Jesus has already been pierced. He's already been crushed for you, not measuring up all the time. You can't add any more value to yourself beside what value Jesus has already given to you. Are you following? See, all the time we're working all the time, trying to kind of run up our point total, or, or we feel terrible about all these different things that we're, we're coming up short all the time. And Jesus is looking down from heaven and said, I was crushed, I was pierced. To, to, you don't have to beat yourself up all the time for your lack of performance, for your failure. I've already done that for you. All the value has already been given to you. You don't try to have to earn it or get it back. That's why he said on the cross, it is finished. You have value because of what Jesus did for you. 
So stop all the time, like I do, beating yourself up all the time for all these where you don't feel like that you're, you, you, you measure up. You see, you are not what you do. You are who Jesus says you are because of what he has done for you. All right? Well, then finally, your identity is based on what Jesus has done for you, not on what other people have said about you. What people say about us, especially those closest to us, has really a tremendous impact on our identity. You see, there are two factors that give a lot of weight to what other people have said about us. And it's the early factor and it's the often factor. What we're told about ourselves early and what was said about us often has a way of shaping you and I's identity. So the early factor has to do with those messages we received uh, about ourselves early in life from the people that were important to us. I mean, maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a teacher or a coach that said something like, you're not smart. You're not the sharpest pencil in the drawer. You're not pretty. You're not very good. And what we're told about ourselves early in life carries a lot of weight in it, and it begins to identify. We begin to identify ourselves in that way. Then there's the often factor. It's when people around us start to say the same things, and then we begin to identify with those things that have been said about us. And what's interesting about the often information is that it doesn't even have to be true. You just have to hear it a lot. You just have to believe it to be true. And so then false information gets filtered into our lives by our failures, by our mistakes, and our shortcomings that we have. Then after a while, people keep holding those things over our head, and we start to think, well, that's who I am? I haven't done those things for quite a while, but I've been labeled that way because we used to do it that way. Then we, we begin to take on that identity. For example, let's just think about this kind of maybe in a more comical way so we can let it soak in. How many husbands out there get in trouble for things that they used to do? Raise your hand if you're a husband. You get in trouble for these. No husband wants to raise their hand right now because they're afraid their wife's going to kill them. I can tell. But you know, you get in trouble for things that you used to do a long time ago. And, and I, in my house, I kind of have a bad reputation for leaving dishes in the sink and not putting them in the dishwasher. But I've actually gotten a lot better. But the problem is the sins of the father have been visited on the sons. But Chris still tends to blame me all the time. And in fact, she's gotten so sick of putting dirty dishes in the dishwater, she recently put up the sign. There it is, $5 loading fee will be charged to each person for not putting their dishes in the dishwater. <laughs> I know there's a whole bunch of ladies that now want to put that sign up in your house. But, you know, I'm innocent now. <laughs> it's usually Josh. <laughs> he's, the, he's the one that's the perpetrator. I'm not the offender anymore. But the problem is I've, learned, I've earned that identity. And the reality is this happens to a lot of us. We get falsely identified based on something maybe that we did a long time ago. But that's now how we're labeled. And we think, well, if that's the way I'm seen, if that's the way everybody looks at me, then I might as well, I just might as well be that way. But Paul in the book of Ephesians is writing to these Christ followers and he's reminding them that you are not who you were. He says in verse 1, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. And in those verses, you can see there's a whole bunch of past tense verbs. 
But there's a phrase at the very beginning of that verse that I want you to pay attention to. And it says, as for you, you were. And what I want you to see, and what you'll see really as you read through the letters of the New Testament is that these words are super important. Paul uses them over and over again. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, for example, Paul goes through a list of identities based on people's previous sins. He says, you were thieves. You were greedy. You were drunkards. He reminds them of who they once were, but then he says that's not who you are anymore. So when we, our identity gets wrapped up in who we were and the sins we've committed and the mistakes that we made in the past, we start to live out that identity. And so Paul says, look, that's who you were, but that's not who you are anymore. That's not who you are. So please understand that the truest thing about you is not today that you're divorced. You want to say that a lot of times, don't you? Those of you who have been divorced, I'm divorced. Talk about it that way. Or that you cheated. Or that you're an addict. Or that you're a convict. And though those things used to be that way, that's not who you are. And you're not either what other people have said about you. You're not what your coach yelled at you when you were little. You're not what other people have said about you on social media. Those things may be who you were, but they're not who you are anymore. Your identity is not what other people have said about you. It's about what Jesus has done for you. He gave you incredible value because he gave his life for you on the cross. You know, October of uh, 2011, the Associated Press ran a very moving story about a name changing ceremony for 285 girls in Mumbai, India. And at birth, these 285 girls had been named Nakusha, which translated means unwanted. So I want you to think about that for a moment. Having the name unwanted. Can you imagine that? Have you ever felt unwanted yourself? I know I felt that way. And that's what these girls' names were. They were branded that way. And the reality is, though, that this is one of the most common names for girls in India. And they are named unwanted because their families wanted sons, but instead they got daughters. Female babies are often aborted and neglected in India. And so there was this name ceremony, though, this renaming ceremony, And it was an attempt to give those girls who were called unwanted a new name. And the article says, 285 girls wearing their best outfits with berets, braids, and bows in their hair lined up to receive certificates with their new names along with a small bouquet of flowers. And and so then they, they listed what those names were that these girls had chosen. They had been called unwanted. But now they had chosen new names that meant something. Names like prosperous. Names like beautiful, good. And in one way or another, every name meant the same thing. Their names now meant wanted. Wanted. You see, their whole lives... They had been labeled unwanted. 
That's what other people had said about them early and often. But now they had a new name. They had a new identity. And I want to let you know today, to me, to me, that's so freaking powerful. And it's so powerful because the same is true for us. In Christ, we are given a new identity, a new name, so we can take off all those other names that we've given ourselves because of some poor performance or poor perception. I know for me, like I shared earlier, I need a new name. I need a new name. Never good enough needs to be changed. I need a new name. And so I want to ask you, what's your name? What's the name you've been calling yourself that needs to be changed? And do you know what your new name is, though, according to Jesus? Your new name is in Christ. In Christ. That's your new name. So what I'd like to do today for us at all of our locations, right now, I want to have a renaming ceremony. All right? Where we each, individually, we claim our our true identity that's in Christ. Where we understand that my identity isn't my performance plus what other people think of me. But instead, my identity, my true identity is in Christ. Because Jesus Christ died for us on the cross to make up for every way that we come up short. So right now, what I want to do at all of our locations is I want everybody to stand. All right? I wanted everybody to stand right now to all of our locations. We're going to have this renaming ceremony. So I want you to stand at all of our locations. And the first thing that I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes. All right? Close your eyes. Close your eyes, and I want you to think about right now your life. And I want you to think about that one negative word. Or that one negative phrase that you use to describe yourself. What would that be? It could be one of those early things or those often things that people have said about you. Or it could be some failure. Or it could be that something that's happened to you. But what one identity, what one false label have you given yourself? Think about that. And now what I want you to do as you think about that is I want you to stretch out your hands. And what I want you to do is I want you to give that false identity. I want you to give that false label. I want you to give it to God right now. Put out your hands and put that false label, that false identity, and give it to God. Give it to God right now. And after you give it to God, what I want you to do is I want you to receive your new identity. Your new identity in Christ. That identity that will never change, that will be never taken away, and that will enable you to live a new kind of life. Receive. Receive that new identity in Christ that God has given you. Receive it right now. Oh, Father in heaven, I just thank you so much that in in Christ you have given us a new identity that makes up for all of our poor performances, our failures, God, where we can never measure up. 
God, I just thank you, though, that you've made us valuable, you've made us worthy, you've, you've made us something that, God, that we can live for and live on, God. God, I just pray by the power of Holy, your Holy Spirit, you'd give us wisdom and an insight to embrace that new identity. God, and that you would give us power to be able to live out that identity. That those in the world around us would be blessed through us. Now, as we continue to pray right now, I know there's others of you here today, and you've been lost. You've kind of been wandering around. You've been lost and wandering around trying to figure out where your soul can find happiness and peace that it longs for. And I want to let you know that your soul will never find the peace, the happiness that it longs for until you find him. Until you find him, until you find Jesus, the one that's created your soul. He's the only one that you can find the happiness, the peace, the purpose that your soul longs for. And so I want to invite you today to take that step to make Jesus Christ the leader and the Savior of your life, to be able to fulfill all that your soul is longing for. So I want to invite you right now. Don't miss this moment. He's here. He longs to be a part of your life. Open up your life to him. Pray this prayer with me right now. Oh, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, that I've failed. And I found myself wandering around in the darkness, trying to find life. But today, Jesus, I choose you, the maker of life. I choose you to be the leader and the savior of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for the new identity that you have given me by dying on the cross for my sins. And now use my life, Jesus, to go and share your identity, your good news of relationship with you, with everyone that I know. Now with everybody's head still bowed, eyes still closed. Boy, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time and you made Jesus Christ the leader and the savior of your life, man, I want you to raise up your hand real high right now. Raise up your hand real high. Tell God that you're all in, that you're a part of his family today. Raise up your hand real high. Say to God, Say to God you're all in, that you want your new identity to be a part of his family. Raise it up. Raise it up real high right now. Say to God that you're all in. Say to God that you're all in. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let me pray for you. Oh, Father in heaven, I just thank you today for my friends, brothers and sisters who surrendered their life to you, who became a part of your family, who identified with you, identified with you and made you the leader and the savior of their life. God bless them. Give them strength, give them power by your Holy Spirit to be able to live the new life that you have called them to. We love you, God. Thank you so much. And we pray all these things right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated.